Hey, greetings, everyone. Michael Rosso here. <laughs> Sorry. Just be talking is funny. <laughs> you had you had a shit-eating grin on. <laughs> it's hard to get started. It is hard to get started. Film Photography Podcast, episode 286, April 15th, 2022. Uh, we're here at our uh, remote sound studio in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. Well, let me introduce everyone here, and I'll go around the table to my left. Very excited. And uh, to my left is uh, Ms. Les- Leslie Lazenby. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, <laughs> welcome. <laughs> to Leslie's left is special guest Trev Lee from thedarkroom.com. Hey, how's it going, guys? Then we have Matt Marash. Hey, hey, hey. Mr. Owen McCafferty. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, coming out to Cleveland, guys. Appreciate it. Oh, yes. And uh, my name is Michael Rosso. And we're here to engage, inform, and ultimately hope to inspire. There are a lot of people out there picking up film for the first time. I feel it's our duty to uh, really, because we get a lot of emails and people write in and I correspond with people on Instagram with a lot of really basic questions. It really is that we've been doing this so long, we're really back to the beginning, which is a whole new generation of film shooters picking up film cameras for the first time. But before we get started, some fun things. These are some new stickers. Everyone gets one. Now... Initially, I got these produced. They're vinyl. Oh, film photography. Thank you. Oh, film they, photography. These are bigger ones. Yes, these were initially manufactured to go on film cans, motion picture film cans. Uh-huh. But what I realized is, I mean, they're bumper stickers. Sure. Yeah, Actually, you know what I use the vinyl ones for? Uh, whoa. <laughs> you got one already. Well, I don't know if that's the... I sent you the big one. Yep. Oh, yeah, that is the big one. Wait, yeah. Now, wait just, wait just a second. How did he get one for us? You know what? <laughs> I'm always mailing Trev's like special packages of film, and he got the scoop on that. Well, wait, but wait, that's not all. Oh, yeah, we'll take stickers. <laughs> no, 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 wanna... But wait. This is brand new. This is going to be available in the FPP store. And, you know, my, my great friends over at Sticker Mule, this is not a sponsored pay, ad. Pay, pay ad. No. <laughs> they're great guys, and I'll tell you why they're great. Because when, every time you order, you get a bottle of mule sauce. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is – so they, they ran a special. These are – FPP magnets for your fridge. 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 Speaking of hot sauce, in the FPP online store, we work really hard to make sure everyone gets their order. Like, so we've instituted a triple check formula. It's so old school and so you know. So there's two guys in shipping, headed up by Justin and new guy Carlos, and to make sure everyone gets their proper order, we're now triple checking all the orders. So they check each other's orders. They're all laid out on a big, long table. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the last guy comes in. I'm check, check, check. Great, 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 great. Then I'm like, what is this? Mark, attention, old grumpy Mark's hot sauce. I'm like, what is this? So I'm like, okay, great, check, check, check. Then I go to my computer. I'm like, whoa. So FPP customer, old grumpy Mark, he has his own hot sauce company. And as Owen would say, gotta have it. Like, I bought a bottle of Curse of Dracula. May I introduce Confession. It's a garlic hot sauce. By the way, it's not sponsored by advertising. <laughs> Use special code Mike to get <laughs> <laughs> No, no, it's not. No, it's all about the community. It's all about, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm equally inspired when I see, like, another small mom-pop company yeah. that's like, like, what is this, you know? So I bought... A bottle of Curse of Dracula and also a jar of hot salsa. That's right, yeah. And Mark was kind enough. And I, I, I didn't bring any. I should have. I had some extras. I'm sorry, guys. Sorry. Next time. He sent some extra bottles saying, hey, I love the FPP. Great, great, terrific. So thanks very much, Mark. It's greatly appreciated. And I never knew about your hot sauce, and now I do. Just a, a really quick around the table. Oh, and you don't like hot sauce? Leslie, no. <laughs> no. Trev? Yes. Matt? Love hot sauce. You when do. are we going to have a hot sauce that doubles as a stop bath? <laughs> uh, 
you know what's great about all this side chatter? It's all photo- well, not the hot sauce. It's all <laughs> photography related. You know, in front of you, um, by the way, is film for you. We're fully behind the support for Ukraine, and uh, I have not talked about it much. This is Ukrainian film. Oh, cool. I may have sent it to you in the past, but that's a gift to you. Thank you. Just take it and shoot it and do whatever you, you please with it. I've shot with this, uh, the 400 before, and mm. I really like it. Have you tried the 200? I have not. <gasps> the 200 is perhaps the best film the FPP has in its store. Nice. Yeah. Wow. It, Over portrait, Mike? No, this is black and white. Oh, black. Just use it. <laughs> it's a big statement. I, my favorite black and this white is, film. This is our Svamup black and white film. We've had it in the store since the store got launched in 2011. You know, we've been buying film from the company in Ukraine since every month for, since 2011. Wow. Uh, and only up until, of course, recently, the, the shipment stopped. And I was very fortunate to hear from uh, Dimitri over in Ukraine that Everyone's okay, but um, they they shelter in place, and there's no activity right now. As hey, what, far as do we know, what part of Ukraine they're in? Like North Shotska. Shostaka. Is that like east, west? It's east. Shostaka. Oh, they are. It's east. about 15 miles, I think, from the border. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keeping they're also they're also them. not too far from the dreaded Chernobyl. Yes. Maybe an hour. Maybe an yes. hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're up in that up in that area. Gotcha. For folks listening, FPP has been well. As you know, really active releasing new film stocks more than ever in the last two years. Yeah, it's been it's been a big push. It's part yeah. of getting it out there to its new folk. Yeah, we have a lot of new films coming out. They're very popular. It's good to hear. As soon as you pitched me the very first one, was Dracula the first? Yeah. As soon as you pitched that, I was like, there's a whole series. There's got to be. In the fall, we're releasing The Mummy 400. Ooh. <laughs> There's nothing on earth like the mummy. So, you know, people may be saying, oh, why is there a guest on the show? Why? Why? Oh, because Trev shoots Canon. What do you think? <laughs> well, yeah. So do you know what Canon this is? Well, you can obviously I can't see it. from here, but it looks like a t- one of the TI series. So it's the T2. It's so small and tiny. Isn't it great? Do you want to know what makes this camera unique from any other Canon? No. What? Any other Rebel? So Canon Rebels are great, great cameras. I've shot with them for many years. They're cheap like i've never paid more than 30 dollars for one and this is the last rebel ever made that's a film, film yeah unlike any other rebel this is basically if you know what the elan 7 is yes it's elan internally it has all the settings oh. as a canon elan it's better than all the other rebels and they don't even boast about it like you can't even find like, I think they're just like, at the end, like, screw it, we'll just put a bunch of good stuff in it. Because this shoots at a four thousandth of a second, has, like, similar metering, it functions just like the Elan 7, it's just tiny. And if you find it on eBay, like, no one knows, there's no value to it, because no one buys it, mm-hmm. and you can get that for under $100. Oh, yeah, well, I've, I've never actually paid over 30 But yeah, this, also, I don't know if you ever saw it, but you, I feel like you'd love this video. So, you know, like the hype around the Contax T2. Yeah. So I did a comparison of the T2, so Battle of the T2s. Right. It's so, surprisingly close. Oh, it beats it. Yeah. I mean, it beats it. This thing, because the... You can con- still, like, tell, but, the I mean, the results are super, super clean out of both of them. Oh, yeah, they're yeah. still good, yeah. yeah. You... Like, if you want to get real close, this did win, but it also is a cheat code because it's SLR with... And you have all the all the settings possible, which is... Yeah, yeah, shoot full manual. I shot it because the T2 is a 38 millimeter, so the 40 is really close. But the problem with those point and shoots, it's like, say you wanted to focus on this. Forget about it. You don't know if you're focusing on that. Yeah. There's no feedback. It's kind of like... Likely any, you're really far away. Yeah. You don't really know what... So, like, say I wanted to focus on, like, a light post, for instance, like, you know, 20 feet away. The... Any point shoots just kind of like... It's like... get. It's like a... I think they're, one, they're step focus anyways. Yeah. So this one right here is just nails it so we d- i did a comparison where this thing literally beat it in every single way other than it's not as pretty with depending on your can, definition yeah of pretty. and it's not as compact but it's still a really small camera and uh, that's a tiny camera it's a really tiny camera and it can shoot at four thousandth of a second as basically is matrix metering if you want it you and i can go on tour to every city with pots and pans and like T2 Canon, cheap, under $40. No one, like, like we could scream at the top of our lungs. It's not going to change 
What would change it? I think what would change it is you have to put this stuff in terms of film. They don't until you beat them over the head with the fact that would you rather have a pretty camera and no film to shoot or a camera that's still pretty great and the next three years of shooting film for free because that's that's really what it is like they want to be seen with the camera but if they're interested in results yeah just start with that i mean and that's not an ugly camera no well i thought that's like that's kind of you gotta talk to the kids they hate it i thought the reason that the t2 is so popular is because some pop star had it right wasn't it like yeah there's uh which t2 the, are we talking about the contacts, contacts. but there's also been like like a basketball player, uh, Devin Booker had right. one, but I think he's dating the, the Jenner girl that made it popular. I think that's but where... But they were still big prior to that. It oh, just okay. had a big boost. Like that, the that's te- what took the price just yeah. astronomical. Gotcha. They were still yeah. like 600 bucks prior to that, and now they're over 1000 some right. For them. a camera that 15 years ago you could get at a thrift store for a dollar. <laughs> But the but yeah no I will say though in you'd be surprised how many people actually shoot with this not this setup but the um, the Elan Seven with this because I we were at the uh, Joshua Tree mm-hmm. meetup that we did with the dark room and I saw a bunch of people that came up not either showed me their setup that's that forty millimeter pancake on some sort of canon or told me that they got it because of it and they love it. Because, like, if I ever, since I have a three-year-old daughter, a lot of people see my photos and they'd be like, what camera do you recommend? I'm like, cheap autofocus. Like, get this. Because, like, you can pop a flash. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's just an easy camera to shoot with. And then, like, if a kid knocks it down, breaks it, it's like... It's whatever. whatever. My daughter's taking photos with this camera, too. So they're $30 now, and after the show airs, they're going to go up to... No, that doesn't actually happen. (laughs) Yeah, it does No, People always say that. Like, they'll get mad, like, oh, now it's going to... It hasn't really spiked that much. Maybe on eBay, but, like, I buy all my stuff like this on, like, Facebook Market. (laughs) So, Leslie, you know what this reminds me of? And you'll know this one. Day one in Jeff Salisbury's photo uh photo one class he would have all of his students he had this giant pull-out drawer and i don't know if it was two big drawers or three big drawers and he literally just asked you top drawer or bottom drawer mm-hmm. that was it you reach your hand in and you, that's your camera for the semester oh my one god drawer was nikon autofocus the other one like n70s yeah n65s and the other one was all all these rebels and and do you, great do you know really the reason for that or part of the reason Probably because he was sick of kids not getting the right camera. No, um, he only had to keep like two batteries in stock. Oh, if he had a smart. bunch of different mm. mixed models, all these different batteries. Here you got two lens mounts. Two yeah, and then, and then he would pull out yeah, like the the drawer mm-hmm. underneath his keyboard, and that had all of his batteries in it. That's right. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? When we come back, we we'll take a quick break. We're gonna do a proper introduction to Travely. Because I'm sitting here talking, we're talking about cameras, and I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> so you folks at home want to know. We'll be right back. The Canon Rebel 2000. When circumstances change, just turn the dial, and you'll turn a snapshot into a photograph. What the? So now you know how to stay in control. Do you mind? Thank you. The Rebel 2000 from Canon. Hey, we're back. Folks who don't know, Mr. Trevor Lee, how long have you been with darkroom.com? Seven years. Seven years? Oh, my God. Okay, so we're here in our uh, remote studio in Cleveland, and uh, you're currently in Ohio, but you're from Ohio, right? Yeah. I actually grew up about the same distance from both of both of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Matt is in Columbus. Well, oh my God! But he was from Macomb. Yeah, I used yeah. To, so I grew up on the farm. I was probably what twenty, twenty-five minutes away from where Trev grew up. Our high schools. I lived each in other. Macomb at one point. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, Owen is oh, from Cleveland. So you yeah. know where Macomb is. I lived there. Yeah. In my pocket. Time to wake this show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! So Leslie, you're from Finlay, Ohio. No, I'm from the next county over, which is Hardin County. Okay. Okay. But I don't have a hometown. Oh, okay. When you're out, where did you go to high school? I went to high school, Arlington High School, Hmm. which is the next small town south of Findlay. Okay. So, So, Trev, growing up in Ohio, at one point, like, when did you get into film photography? I got my first camera when I was in uh, college. 
And uh, so mm-hmm. I was going to Bowling Green State University. My friend actually had a digital Rebel, and I took like a photo on it and liked it. And so I got into digital, but then I went to a photography school in Massachusetts called Hallmark. So the first film that I ever shot was actually with a Mamiya 645 and uh, and then also a Toyo View uh, 4x5 mm-hmm. camera. So that's what got me into uh, film. But <laughs> he's, I was going to say, he's going to have no idea what that is. Yes, question. Did you do any film at BG? No, they didn't. I was going to ask you who your instructor was. No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. I was in visual communications uh, degree. Like I had uh, Gene Poor was one yep. of, yeah. All right. But their photography stuff, it was awful. Like, it was just, like, how to do HDR, how to... What is that? It was, like, weird, like, we're, it's where you merge um, three different exposures, bracketed oh, I'm sorry, I thought you were joking, because nope. it's terrible. Oh. Yeah, it's... So, it was, like, all this gimmicky digital stuff that we're learning, and none of it was, um, like why you took photos or anything like that. So gotcha. when I got a Hallmark, I loved film, but I was young, so I was more drawn to digital because I was, like, shooting weddings and different things like that. So I went away from film until three years later when I moved to California. And what year, what year was it? So what year did you get into film? So I started shooting film in 2013, okay. exclu- like, a lot when I moved to Yosemite. Uh, I shot – I lived there for three years – and I was shooting mainly digital, and then I would, like, look at the photos I took digitally, and it would be, like, two or three that I liked, and I had zero photos of the experience and what I was doing, and uh, realized I was just going places just to take a photo. So then I remembered film again, and, like, basically like how that limited me in a good way and i had a canon digital camera so i got the canon alon 7 and had a 35 millimeter lens on it and i would just put a roll of film in and that's all i would take on like a hike or an outing i eventually started bringing two rolls because sometimes i would be like dang it only brought one and i wanted but i ended up loving it that's how i met phil and all of them at the darkroom. Yeah, because I shot a roll of Velvia 50, sent it into this one lab. Because I lived out in Yosemite, so I, the closest place was uh, Fresno to go to, like, a normal lab to get color film developed. I sent it to this place, and, like, we can't do E6 processing. So then that's how I found the darkroom. And then that got the ball rolling. He started sending me film to test out and shoot. And he actually sent me a Pentax 6.7, which I still uh, have. How did that happen exactly? Did you like? I mean, because because the darkroom is a commercial lab, you just send your film in. How did you like strike up a conversation with them? Um, I was ta- so I did a lot of stuff on social media. It basically became like this thing where it's like, yeah, I'd love to talk about your services, post photos that you guys develop, mention you guys, and. Basically, it was kind of like a collaboration of shooting different films, sharing it. They could use it on the website, repost it. And then when they found out that I wanted to leave Yosemite, Phil was like, you should come down and work at our lab and stuff. So that's how I ended up down there and officially working with them. And then after six months, I decided I wanted to move closer to my then-girlfriend, now wife. And I was just like, hey, I'm going to put my two weeks in and moving up to Sacramento. And then he... They basically offered me the job, which grew into what I do now. So for six years, I've worked remotely oh, for okay. them. What is your actual title there? Chief photographer. I basically do, uh, obviously, the social media. I help out with certain aspects of the website, doing blogs, and just a wide variety of stuff. Over the years, it's grown into a lot more, like helping out with merchandise and planning events like what we went to and stuff like that. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And I follow the Darkroom, and you do an amazing job. Oh, it's thanks. such a community with so many, so much interaction. Mm-hmm. Do you set up parameters for yourself so you don't get sucked into the social media world? like Because it, it's endless. Yeah, because there's people pinging all like ding 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 all night. <laughs> Twitter ping ping bong 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 bong
Yeah, it's it's crazy. Luckily, I had some experience with that with my own personal like social media stuff where I had to like get used to like setting. Well, one when I lived in Yosemite, I had bad reception, so even if I wanted to, I couldn't always get anything, which is a blessing in disguise. But the yeah, the darkroom it grew more than I ever expected it to. Yeah. Because um, like when we started, it was around like four thousand followers, and there was like great people that we talked to, and it just got big. And I think it's because I know it's because Phil and Keith uh, gave me the freedom to kind of just learn. Because when I with everyone, it wasn't like me coming in being like I know everything. I know everything about this camera, that film. Like it was just me like shooting a film, giving an honest opinion of my experience with it how I would shoot it and how I'd recommend in this camera. And then it just kind of grew with that. So it, it was just me basically learning one step ahead of the people that were following us to learn. Right. Uh, and I think that's why it did so well. And we were one of the, I think one of the first labs to really just go hard into it. Right. Uh, for folks listening, this, by the way, this is not an ad. <laughs> But if you use special promo code Mike at checkout. That's not true. That's not true. The the dark room um, years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but it's been been a while. Uh, Phil from the dark room uh, contacted me. But I, I think it was before you started. It, it was, yeah. Uh, there was the PDN Photo Expo in New York City, and he was just like, hey, why don't we just meet up? And he just really, you know, we met for coffee, and he's just very engaging. And he's just very... I think he, we work well together because we're very organic. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. t- told us what he was doing. He gave me a bunch of those handouts to the free free developing. Mm-hmm. And that developed into this long-term relationship. Whereas most of our film is literally hand-rolled. Right, Leslie? <laughs> yes, it is. I've heard that rumor. Yes. <laughs> Leslie's got the muscled hands to prove it. <laughs> yes. Most of it is, is still hand-rolled. If you're if you're shooting a roll of whatever it might be, let it snow or the Sfema film, everything's recycled. And Phil and Keith were so generous that that we take all the recyclables from the darkroom mm-hmm. and we reuse canisters and we use we use cans. Everything's recycled. I don't get as many emails these days as I used to. Someone would buy a roll of film, they'd be like, "Wait a minute, I peel the label off and." Kodak Gold under there. This is a ripoff. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, sir. This is, we, we cycled. I'm not going to re- say that now with the price of Kodak Gold. Yeah, it's a recycled, so. it's a recycled <laughs> cartridge. So um, I'm very thankful, and I'm so thankful we met you. And, mm-hmm. you know, we all kind of just are all on the same wavelength of film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Should we all start holding hands now? Yeah, sing Kumbaya. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, when I started, I mean, Phil talked, it was like one of the first things he, like, I was on my radar that he was always talking about you guys, and it was funny because it was like a, I was learning, like, I didn't even want to shoot black and white. Back then, Phil was like, you have to try black and white if you're going to be, like, talking about film, because obviously we're, you know, black and white lab Mm -hmm. dip and dunk, and we print it and whatnot. So it, like, but then also it was like, I was only shooting, like, I'm going to shoot only Portra only triax or like and then but then you start branching off into consumer of kodak or fuji and then there's the outer parameters of like of like what you guys were doing where it'd be like the retro chrome or something i'm like what is this like yeah. type thing and it was like a it was like learn a learning experience of like being like oh there's so much more out there because like i was only seeing this like really narrow lane so getting to know you guys and shooting different film and seeing just it it was like I it was really cool. It's really cool experience doing that. Where it was like all these different film stocks, and at first I was like I don't like this, and then I realized it was like oh it's not everything's for me, but it's cool that there's options right out there for other people. Like it would be boring if everyone just shot the same thing. Like Portra. <laughs> Like Portra, <laughs> constantly, which is, I mean, it is the most common color film, but still it's cool that there's people out there like Jason who's shooting the retrochrome and then like shooting different black and white that you guys have. Like, I, I actually really like the derived paint stuff. Jason's show on YouTube is my favorite show on YouTube next to Matt's. <laughs> No, you don't have to say that because I'm, I'm here. Great, Granny Days is much better. <laughs> Dude, yeah, Jason stuff, yeah, he's really entertaining. Uh, he well, loves that retrochrome. He loves it. Well, I, I like it, but he's like on another level of like. I yeah. hope that he, he and anyone else listening that loves retrochrome, the time is now yeah. to buy it. 
So I, I think by the end of 2022, I think we'll... That's it. Yeah. Be interesting to see if people start spiking the prices. Uh, mm. it's, yeah, it always happens. How much is a roll of retrochrome? 15 bucks. As of this recording. Okay. Hey, that's a steal compared to ectochrome, right? Yeah. See, it used to be expensive, <laughs> but after the price hikes, now it's cheap. Right. <laughs> <laughs> to just finish our thread on Trev. So at some point... You decided to move to, back to Ohio. Just be able to afford a house, be able be closer to my family. Yeah, a lot of those reasons. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I lived out there for just shy of nine years. My wife's born and raised out there. My daughter is born in Sacramento, so it was a big move for them. But uh, Was there some culture shock for them when they came out to Ohio? They've spent a lot of time out here, like okay. on vacation and stuff like that. So they understand, like, the... the winters and uh <laughs> and like and my wife really likes the oh, like midwest culture as well and which is very different and matt and i were talking like the like just accents slang or lack of it oh my gosh that was a that was a huge part of the entire meetup was yeah. just talking midwest slang and spreading all of it to, to everyone on the west coast yeah see leslie's looking at me because does Midwest slang? What's Midwest slang? It's a lack of it. Oh, lack oh. of it. You know we're not in the Midwest, though, right? Well, well he's got a whole tie well, right on that. I know. I'm sure. so, so is there slang in Sacramento that's not here? <laughs> There's slang in California. Like, yeah. Cal- what's an example? Uh, well. Sorry, I'm late. It's just like this new schedule is totally confusing. You're ripping my car. Yeah. Hey, bud, what's your problem? Listen, is, brah. The, the way I would explain it is if you took someone, like, you took me surfing for the first time. Ah. Uh. I would explain my experience in a full sentence. Like, I'd be like, I had really fun. I enjoyed myself. Surfing was this, that, like, type thing. And and uh, where, like, someone from California, it would just, there'd be a lot more slang. It'd be, like, rad. It'd be sick. It'd be. Yeah. Hell tight would be would be a good one. But yeah, the normal Midwest response is as if we are answering a question on our fifth grade English test. Okay. Where it's like a complete sentence. Very, pun- yeah, punctuated. That's, and- that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the other thing is, is that out here we pronounce, well, a lot of us pronounce O's as A's a little bit more. Mm-hmm. College or... Oh, college. Yeah, or college. mom or... Like there's a lot of different. Ones. Well, and there's there's different accents within Ohio as well. Yeah, there oh, is. Like, I can tell when mm-hmm. it's like Matt. To me, Matt has an accent. And mm-hmm. same with Leslie. Then there's, then there's that Toledo accent right, too. Toledo, you know yeah. that I hear different. But my wife, like when we first met, I was talking about my friend Matt, different Matt from Ohio, not Matt, the other Matt either. I know a lot of Matts. <laughs> too many Matts. Whoa. It was my friend Matt Bully. I was like talking about. I was like, oh yeah, he's a salad friend, and Hannah heard salad. He's a salad friend. He said oh. salad. No, no, heard yeah. me say that. Like yes. salad, He's salad, the because draw salad. <laughs> no, that's yeah. like real. That's like thick. Yeah, that's. It wasn't. It's like if you have an accent and someone wants to replicate it, it's always more dramatic. Dramatic. Yeah, yeah dramatized. Like if I say avocado out there, like, avocado. avocado. Yeah. And I'm like I, I'm like I didn't say it like that. That's. I did say it differently, but not that bad. So that's always been a joke because Hannah, you know, like my exotic husband from the midwest and his weird exotic. accent um now she was like like salad friend like is that like is he a vegetarian or like is that what they call him out there like and like no salad now you see all of our uk and european friends all think we talk like people from texas now i hope that'll warn you you humpback muley <laughs> Oh, yeah. Although when Brits do an American accent, though, I've found it's a very... Like, I don't understand where they pick that accent. Have you ever heard, like, a British person's version of an American accent? They usually do the Texas thing. Well, so my experience has always been, like, this, like, hybrid between a Midwest accent and, like, a Northeast accent. I feel feel like they have more, like, they'll they'll do, like, something that sounds like they listen to one guy from Chicago talking to another guy from Jersey. That's kind of what it sounds. Or like. Or it sounds like an ad, like it sounds like they're on the radio. Do you know what I mean? Like it sounds like an announcer's voice. They need to practice. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the darkroom roundup at Yosemite. Oh wait, Joshua Tree. Joshua. Oh, when we come back, we're going to be talking about the darkroom roundup at where? Joshua Tree. Oh, what did I say? Yosemite. Yosemite. Oh. Oh. <laughs> where the geysers are. 
That's a joke. That's Yellowstone. <laughs> okay. But I got that question a lot when I worked there. Which is what? Hey, where are the geysers? Like, oh, I'll geysers? tell you how you do that. You uh, leave the park, get where back the, in your leave car. the state, drive through about three other states. And then you can see the Where are the geysers? Where the geysers are. Are there any geysers in Yosemite? No. <laughs> no, Yellowstone is the one that's known for me. No, where did Yogi Bear live? <laughs> I, I don't, Yellowstone. I, I, so, Yellowstone? Yeah, Wasn't Yogi Bear Yellowstone? I think it yes, was Jellystone. Jellystone. Who is always on the spot? Who is Yogi Bear? Who keeps cool when things are hot? Who does Yogi Bear? Who believes a world they dream and falls for some fantastic scheme but always winds up on the beam? Yogi Bear! The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control puts you in your own pictures where you ought to be. You ought to be in pictures. Your face would be adored. You ought to be in pictures. The new Canon SureShot Ace with remote control. So advanced, you get in on the fun. Okay, we're back. <laughs> so, <laughs> never going to get a coffee break? I'm Thou the Yeezys. Yes. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown, after the Cafes. Speaking of Travely, speaking of the darkroom.com, uh, there was a event that happened in March of 2022 at uh, Joshua Tree. Both Matt Mirage and Travely were there. Now, Trev, did you organize it? Me, Phil, and Juan from Beers and Cameras. Well, for, for folks who don't know, what is tell, just tell us briefly, what is Beers and Cameras? Beers and Cameras is a thing that uh, Juan Martinez started in San Diego. He would go out to like breweries with some friends. They happen to have cameras, and then they're, from my understanding, we're just like, we should just make this a thing. And then, so it became Beers and Cameras, and now, I think it's in three countries now. I think wow. it's in, well, obviously, U.S., I think there's a European one, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong. I know there's one in Canada. Okay. Um, we, I did one in Sacramento, which I always like to brag about, because it was on average bigger than San Diego's, because we would have like <clears throat> 55 people per meetup on average. That's a lot. That mm-hmm. is a lot. Of- we got yeah. to a point where, we, on occasion, there's a certain brewery that would just ask us to come. Oh, but, that's um, but yeah, it was really cool. It's a great thing because there's like a lot of people that um, normally wouldn't get together, and like photography was the icebreaker. And then they end up just talking about not even cameras. Just end up a lot of my good friends came from there. Like the Sacramento one, I can talk a lot about because I ran it. But there would be like two Leicas, which is a little bit different for some of the other ones. It was always cool going to like a San Diego one because I would get to see things that I normally wouldn't get to have put my hands on and experience. I'm like, oh, that's why uh, M6 Millennium is so cool. <laughs> Like, yeah. It's amazing. It's a beautiful thing. I won't own one, but yeah. So uh, t- tell us about the uh, Joshua Tree, how that came together, and you know, between the both of Matt and, and Trevor, like, what was that like? So it came together fast, really fast. Uh, Phil found a place that we could stay uh, for cheap and then basically texted Juan and I and was like, hey, in two months, I want to do this. It was, it was less than two months. And we had done stuff like this in the past. We did the LA tour, but it was small, so we wanted to do a bigger version of it. Started putting together a list of different people that we'd like to have as invited guests. It was basically planning a smaller group that would stay together, do certain things together, and then the second half was open up to everyone, like the whole public, and you could sign up through Eventbrite, which ended up, it had so many people sign up, so many people saying they were come, we had to take it off. Broke the website. So pe- Well, we had to take it off so people could find out, because we had to, we didn't want like more than 100 people showing up to one meetup it'd be really hard yeah and that was our limit we had 100 people signed up in no time and once the event all came together what was it like the convergence of people how did how did that happen so our invited group was matt birgit from lamography britta and her uh partner riley and Mm -hmm. britta's from keh okay and then we had um we had uh, Jason yeah. and Caleb. Yeah, and they, Jason is Grainy Days. Days. And Caleb is Bad Flashes. Yeah, and then, then we... Oh. We also had, so, and then we had... Taylor. Taylor. Pendleton. And then Jason from... Jason Roman. J- yep, Jason Roman. From New York. And then... Oh, we also had um, Casey. Yeah, Casey Cavanaugh and yep. David Amell, mm-hmm. who bunked in... You guys bunked together. Yeah. And then we... Obviously, we had Juan... And we had Kevin Fickling, 
who is Kevin kind of rolled in with uh, him and uh, Charlize came yeah. in with uh, with the film camera stuff. So just a ton of folks. Pretty much everybody there was either someone that's in the industry side of things. So especially Britta and and Birgit, mm-hmm. and then we also had just a ton, like everybody else that that Trev listed has either like a huge IG or YouTube or you know, a lot some of sort YouTubers, a lot of YouTube yeah. presence there. But there um, just a lot of folks that are in on you know all the different trends that are going on or just have their own kind of like small communities around and completely film focused it was it was pretty wild to see yeah we had jason roman david amell casey cavanaugh and some of the other people were invited through juan from beers and cameras and he knew them and phil and i didn't know them personally so there's like a lot of, there's like a lot of people that we're bringing in together that we didn't know that they didn't know each other like i'd never met a lot of like i didn't have met taylor um a lot of other people that were there and it was and then we're like planning all the stuff we have a 15 passenger van everyone's staying together in this place that has one bathroom oh. where uh <laughs> Yeah, it was totally fine. But, and so, you know, we have this, all this scheduling and we were just like interested to see how, and it just went amazing. Everyone got along well. Yeah. Uh, There was, everyone got along so well, it was better than we could have ever imagined. And it was really cool. Um, The first day, the first night we all hung out around the fire. Yep. And uh, the place that we stayed at (laughs) promised firewood. They didn't. But so, we're literally out in the desert. So Trev is, uh, was just busting apart <laughs> furniture and, and burning. <laughs> in my defense, it was a lawn chair that was already broken, and it was disregarded behind a garage. So I broke it apart, and uh, that fueled our fire the first first night. We yep. cooked food for everyone. Wow. It was a, a, we had shish kebabs. Yeah, those were like the largest kebabs I'd ever, I'd yeah, ever was, had. And That's then awesome. the next day we got up early and went to uh, Salton Sea, Bombay Beach, which Phil actually, as a kid, went there, went skiing. Yeah, on went vacationing or, there. Uh, yeah. Jet, jet yeah, jet skiing. Or, yeah. What is that called? It's right. basically, if you've played Grand Theft Auto Five, okay. you would know this place. Okay, great. <laughs> perfect perfect yeah. i know exactly where it is yeah. <laughs> wow and so it wasn't really like an organized there was no like workshops or teaching it was really just you go it was, to it was really hanging out so uh, hanging uh, out and shooting yeah that first really, day wasn't it was just that group right what felt really nice about it mike is it was kind of like the really early fpp meetups where we just kind of like hung out walked around got something to eat but the best part of it was everybody was like super qualified they already knew exactly what they wanted to shoot some folks were just getting to know each other but you know everybody was kind of bringing their specialty to the table which was which was really really cool so you had their you definitely had your your like a crew you had there was so many X-Pans. I had never seen that yeah, many X-Pans. Yeah, that was actually, yeah. That was, that, that was the beers and camera stuff. But everybody had their own, like, little specialty thing. Props to Trev for the logistical nightmare that was hauling around the uh, the coffin that I sent him in the mail. So I don't think he realized when, when he... was huge. What kind of coffin? So I... I thought I was the only guy that owned a coffin. No. Uh, I... <laughs> when, when Trev and I were mailing back and forth, I was like, hey, uh, can I send some stuff ahead? I think it'll just be easier than doing check, check luggage. He's like, yeah, sure. So I sent him the just the track notification and a, and a picture intentionally <laughs> oh, without scale. your gear. So when, <laughs> so when it got there. I could fit I, in it. I sh- yeah, I shipped the 95-pound yeah. Pelican to, oh my to God. the dark room. <laughs> How much did that cost? A fortune? Actually, it wasn't that much. It was, it was way cheaper than doing check baggage, actually. Oh, yeah, really? Even with oh, a wow. media pass, yeah. Your 8x10 gear? So, yeah, I shipped everything ahead. I shipped my backpack with my, I, I'd already done this a few times because I did the Africa trip and I've done a couple other like longer hauls with it. So I had the eight by ten backpack, I had the camera, my lenses, um, my tripods, some of the video gear that I could live without, like my duplicates, and then I also sent the film ahead of time um, because so they get it checked. Is this going to go into your bit? Or are you... Yeah, yeah, we can roll it into my bit. What, like, which bit is that? Would should you mail your stuff ahead or should you go with checked luggage? Oh, wow. Bam. Very excited to hear this. So I think for big, big, big kits, sending if you're going someplace where you trust the, the folks on the other side of it, send it ahead. It's so much easier. Checked luggage is going to fry your film. I'm sure you guys see no shortage of all the cool little 
transverse waves mm-hmm. and everything yep. on X-ray I mean, film. Matt, this is such a huge topic, the whole going through X-rays. So let's specify. Oh, sorry. If you're walking through with your film, oh, it's different on. than if you put your film in your checked-in baggage. Yeah. Yes. The, different every, animals, right? Completely different animal, different levels of radiation. This is a CT your stuff. scanner, right? Yep. Yeah. But there are concern, growing concerns that... Um, TSA over the last couple of years has upgraded their machines to CT type scanners. A lot of testing has been done. I know, I know the darkroom's done testing on some of that stuff. It's still nowhere near as bad as check baggage, but the recommended the recommendations really haven't changed. If you're flying with a few rolls of film or a camera's already loaded, you go up. You be really polite about things. Uh, you can have like a a bag that has like kind of a clear see-through thing. Yeah, Trev's got a travel case. I've got mine back in the room. You just nice, you wave, you request a hand check, and you'll be surprised how many TSA folks are film shooters. Half of the TSA agents in Columbus are film shooters. I've never had an issue. <laughs> yeah, they're usually really cool about it. The times it gets awkward is if you're at the end of a shift, someone's had a really terrible day, or you already have like open boxes that look sketchy. You know, that's when stuff is weird. When I do carry-on luggage, I bring my small changing bag with me, and I change out the front pocket or the front lid of my, my small Pelican. I put my changing bag in there. So even if they're like, ah, you know, I have to check this, great. Here's my changing bag. You can go dark. They usually have something anyway. But no matter what, I'm always, like, ready for that. But check ba- uh, carry-on bags are the easiest way to go. Check baggage is a no-no. No matter what film it is, it's going to get fried because they're throwing a lot of radiation at it through the CT scanner, and you're going to end up with, best case scenario, you'll still have a picture, and it'll just be like really kind of like fogged evenly all the way across. But most of the time, if your film is in like a weird position, you'll get these odd, they literally look like waves Little because waves, the X-ray yes. is passing through it at a weird angle. Wow. And it's, it's really sad when that happens. And so you're saying you've, you, you guys have had no problems domestically. Now what about if you've been in a country where you don't speak the language of, of the TSA agent. I mean, I, I can't speak on behalf of, like, going over the... Like, I haven't traveled overseas with film. Okay. And I know that they scan with different, like, stronger scanners from my understanding. And I whenever we... We actually... Funny thing is we have a video on Instagram and on TikTok. I just saw that one. That's almost a million views just for flying with film. And it's because so many people question... And I, I just... It's crazy because it's only like a 30 second video and i just literally put my uh, phone in my pocket like this and have a video of me just going up to the tsa agent just being hey like would you mind like could i please have a hand hand check mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like just me having a conversation i always have it out of the wrappers everything so it's right. just like easy i don't want to like push push it and like make it a bad experience for them and then just like talk to them which is like basically helping the next film photographer that comes through and ask right. that where yep. it's just like and it always like you said i have a lot of people that will be like you still shoot this stuff and it goes into a quite like like i ended up talking about the dark room but yeah, there, yeah. It, i've never had an issue and i've probably 30 40 times mm-hmm. have done it for international travel i will say probably the most challenging interaction i've had was going through the eu so when i was doing some connecting flights through um through the uk and france uh, france was probably the hardest about it absolutely no hand check can be requested on that whether you speak the language or don't everything goes through no it's it's just like that's their policy everything goes through the ct scanner you can't do any sort of like mm-hmm. uh, exceptions their ct scanner does not fry it at all when i did my africa trip with Tariq back in 20 oh my god that's 2018 now that stuff got a total i think of seven x-rays wow um and the stuff in in europe is really 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 low radiation from what i saw there was no base fog buildup or anything but would you say, you know, so I'm going to Ireland. I, I've always shipped my film ahead. I still recommend that. But That's that, going to yeah. be the easiest and way to go. And you think that that is still just as safe? Because I know some people are concerned about x-rays when they ship their film. Mm-hmm. But I, in fact, I think I was talking to Mike about this as well. It seems like, especially if you don't use the postal service in whatever country you're in, but use a courier like UPS or FedEx, mm-hmm. that you're better off. I don't know if that's true. So but- I would say, I mean, we we do a lot of international work at the darkroom and We honestly don't see, I can't remember last time that I've heard that we've seen uh, scanning issues. And I've actually put, whenever I have a camera with film in it, if it's not something like a big deal, like I did like a big shoot, like sometimes I'll just for testing sake put it through. Mm -hmm. And I've done Portrait 800, which is right at that limit. And I've done 
uh, Tmax P3200 through it, and I've actually never seen an issue. But mm-hmm. that's that's through TSA, right. so I don't know gotcha. what it is. I, I would say mail it. Right. Mailing, UPS, FedEx, DHL, domestically here in the U.S., folks should not worry about x-rays no, at all. there's no worries yet. Uh, I even asked the, the, the UPS hub's like right around the corner from my house, so I like went in. Through, they had me help him put the coffin up on the conveyor, and I asked him, and he's like, yeah, you don't even need a sticker. It's, right. it's fine. And that's true for international through, through import-export? So international, I'll have a different recommendation for that. I would actually recommend going with the, the post office, but oh, this okay. is for a different reason. It's not because of x-rays. It's because of brokerage fees. Mm-hmm. Um, when you send something international, if you don't have somebody signing on your behalf on the other side when it gets there, uh, UPS and FedEx will twist your arm for upwards of 40% once it crosses the border. Of the of the goods. Of the goods. Cost of the goods. Yeah, which is <laughs> wow. horrendous. Yeah. I've seen that happen with a lot of camera sales and film sales. Actually, you just do USPS and whatever post it becomes once it mm-hmm. hits, uh, the, country. It hits yeah. the other side, it'll be fine. The Joshua Tree, what was yeah. the takeaway and what's on the horizon moving forward? Like, for example, the Darkroom did a much larger event called the Padea a few years ago in 2019. Mm-hmm. This is very, I'm guessing this is a very different type of event. So seeing what the Padea was and seeing what you guys did at Joshua Tree, is it shaping what future? Yeah. Um, actually, in, in different ways, this was actually bigger than, numbers-wise, this was bigger, I believe. Wow. But less organized in the sense of, like, we don't have, like, a panel and workshop. Right. So the way that the Joshua Tree worked was meetup, which we called the Film Roundup, was the first day, you know, we camped over, we camped, had dinner with, like, our invited guests that we had. And then Friday, we went to Salt and Sea, walked around, took photos. It was really cool. I actually shot a roll of the Frankenstein. Nice. And I shot it in a point and shoot, and I taped the DX code, so I would shoot it at 100. Oh, nice. I don't. It, oftentimes I'll underexpose that and it, with point and shoots because I don't have like that exposure control. So I shot it one stop open and loved the results. That night we went back to we had a beers and cameras mm-hmm. in Pioneer Town. That was and great. The, yeah, it was a lot of fun. The place that we were gonna go to was packed, and then we last minute changed it with no reception. We had to find a place that would give us Wi-Fi so we could post it so people that were coming. And we had fifty some people come to that one. Um, that was the beers and cameras in Pioneer Town, and then the next day was the big event where we met up at Joshua Tree at nine in the morning. That was roughly around a hundred people that went in and out during that event. That was for about two two and a half hours, and that was like the biggest one that we had. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the Noah Purifoy uh, Outdoor Museum. Uh, which is this really cool place not far from there we walked around and then that transitioned into another beers and cameras and the event but each event had at the minimum 40 or 50 some people like i think our last beers and cameras was 70 something yeah it was it was almost as as large as as the morning it was yeah what was really cool to see with the whole event mike was not just how really enthused everybody was about film but there was a a big big presence of new generation film shooters mm-hmm. tons of new generation film shooters um like trev had mentioned you know early in the uh early about the canon cameras there was quite a few you know you could tell who was like just starting with the slr and then like who's been in the game a while you know the final beers and cameras meetup was like the was like the international convention of uh, Leica M6s and uh, Hasselblad X-Pans. I'd never seen that many X-Pans in one place in my life. They, of course, they they got them all together on, yeah. on the table and, and photographed them all together. It was uh, it was pretty wild. But like everybody was enthused about film. Uh, one of the uh, another uh, film influencer showed up to the last day of Joshua Tree. Uh, Bray. He came mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, he was shooting 16 millimeter, Mike. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah. yeah hey, wait a minute. Nice. <laughs> we had, and the crazy thing is, I mean, even outside of our invited guests, which we had a few people from New York, someone from Michigan, mm-hmm. us from Ohio, yep. we had a couple fly in from Chicago. We had people fly in from New York. We had someone come from Oregon. And we also had a husband and wife who was in Sacramento and their son or outside of Sacramento and their son went to school somewhere in Arizona and knew that their son followed us 
and was like, hey, we'll pay for your ticket to fly there. We'll meet you there and make it like a family thing. Wow. It was really cool. <laughs> and and the other thing I was it was really fun is is like since Matt is not on like Instagram as much, we, we don't see like the same interaction. Like I don't see it as much just because we're not on it. Yeah. And I will see your stuff on YouTube, but I'm not like engaging in the way that if I was a full time large format shooter. So it was really cool when people would show up. We, they would gravitate to different people and our invited guests, and they'd be like, "Oh, that's so and so. That's that one person." But it was cool to see how everyone had their little like their people would come up and be like, "Oh, that's Matt." Like Matt taught me how to do 4x5 or 8x10 or whatever. And then he's cool. FP. And it was really cool because everyone everyone that we invited had their group of people that they had some type of influence on. And it was cool to see how broad that was, like how yeah. broad it, it was. It extended way, way further. Uh, and, there, and there was a lot of crossover too. Like the thing that kind of like shocked me was the, going into this, I only knew Phil, Trev, and Juan. I had never met anybody else there. Literally all the other folks that that we stayed with were like, oh yeah, large format Friday. I tune. I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. You watch? You watch? You watch this? You don't even have a large format camera. What are you doing <laughs> watching this? It was so cool to see folks, um, yeah, connecting and and like just acknowledging what everybody's little, like little specialties were. Probably the coolest thing was the the first night we were there. So when when David Mel came in, mm-hmm. he came in. He was packing heat, you know. He had that uh, he had that <laughs> Linhoff four x five monorail. They just casually brought with him. He didn't have the tripod, Leslie. I'm sorry. The giant. The, he literally the, had a tripod the this sturdy. Yeah, he, he had that little peak design tripod he was putting on top of. So we got him there. The lens board was like. So he had just gotten this camera. He never assembled the thing. We got him to. I, I showed him how to assemble the bellows. At first, I thought it was a, an old Cinar Norma because they almost look the same, but it's a little bit different. So we got the bellows on there. Bellows. And then the lens was like barely <laughs> hanging on because it had just been shaken through the mail. And he's like, oh, I don't know. This thing's going to be shaking. Nope. Got my lens wrench. And then he's like, oh, well, I don't have a way to trick. God, I got extra cable releases in the box. In yeah, your coffin. Yeah, the coffin <laughs> has everything. That's the best <laughs> the part. Coffin. I will, when possible, I will always travel with the coffin. The wheel, wheels on it? Yeah, yeah. It's oh, yeah. If it had wheels, oh, my gosh. We would have had to have, like, two posts and, like, carrying it around. Like, <laughs> yeah. A couple was, Sherpa. But, yeah. the, but that's the best part. You know, it's bomb-proof. It's fireproof. It's bomb-proof? It's this, like, legitimately? Yeah. Yeah, like... They can withstand a, a decent amount of blast. You can sustain a fire on it for like an hour. Those Pelican cases are great. Mm-hmm. I love them. I mean, mm-hmm. Trev brought his. That's why I got mine because yeah. my daughter can kick it, yep. stand on it, sit yeah. on it. They're, they're great little step yeah. stools. Now, so, when, you, when you ship it, do people, it, like, TSA, whoever it may be, the people open it and look in it and stuff? No. Uh, TSA will always uh, will oh, always yeah. open stuff. But like when I ship it ahead, no, I just threw a, I threw like a, a cheap little lock on there and just sent it through. This All this case talk. I saw <laughs> your really, really polished video. On, I think it, was, it might have been TikTok or it might have been Reels, where you're like showing how nice and organized your case was. I think I'm going to end up doing a stitch or, or a duet where like I show your case being all nice and pretty, oh and my, my case God. is like still covered. My case is still like dirty and like bringing like half of the desert sand with it, and <laughs> stuff's just like being sloshed in at the same time. It's it was also really nice to see that uh, other film photographers had a, a high chaos level with them. So it, it was good. <laughs> I, I didn't until I got have that. To be <laughs> high chaos if you shoot film. No, surprisingly not. There was some very, very organized individuals. <laughs> was everyone cool and calm or were people getting flustered about their gear? I mean, think back, Matt. I mean, this is 10 years ago. Yeah. Do you remember we'd go, to, like some of the meetups, there'd be like people with like literally uh, like, a, like a major backpack. <laughs> mm-hmm. With like, I don't know. A lot know. of people were like that. The I, second day, the like you bring day, too much. I only yes. brought one camera, yes. so that's I was the opposite. Well, you basically brought one. I camera, only brought one camera, which is a lot of stuff. Way bigger. People but, with the film sweats because they just they didn't know yeah. what to bring, so they brought like everything in the kitchen sink. There that's was, also why people shoot 400 ISO. Oh, avoid less, the film sweats. You're like, should I put 100 in, and then I can't shoot once I go in shade. Or like at night or something like that. Bring back the twelve exposure rule. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) There's definitely a culture shift though. Like I think there's less of that kind of like bunch of cameras, film sweats type stuff. Uh, A lot of folks, it was really one or two cameras. It was like they're they're you know, this is my to show. This is what I'm actually shooting with. The the social aspect of these events makes it very hard to actually do like work work right Mm -hmm. like. 
Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's I still like the pictures I took in Joshua Tree, but it's not like I'm going to have like a new page on my website that shows like my body of work from Joshua right. Tree. Because we go there to, to meet people and talk. And yeah. So that's why I mean, like, if you go to like a photo, like you were talking about a photo walk. Everyone shot with what they brought, but then once you go to like a beers and cameras, it doesn't matter if I bring a point and shoot or that Hasselblad. Yeah, I'm gonna talk. Yeah, exactly. you fit. So, you fit so in. pretty much everything ends up just sitting there, and yep. it's easy to assume like, oh, they probably don't shoot with that because I haven't seen them shoot with it. But if like I'm more of a shooter because nobody's on shooting my own. at that. Yeah, yeah, no one's shooting. Like I yeah. usually walk off by myself in my lonesome and just right. take photos. And I think that's kind of like my perception was that when I would go to beers and cameras or a meetup like that, where I'd be like, that's an amazing camera, but and they're not shooting with it. They probably don't shoot with it, but then they, they do like Juan has an amazing camera and yeah. shoots a bunch through it. I know he was like the first one up on post and he's still posting great stuff. from. Oh yeah. yeah. So it's, what you're saying, Matt is you feel it's different than if you were to go to Joshua tree yourself, Specifically for taking photos, you you don't have the fo- you don't have the focus of it if you're at a big event. Is that what you're saying? Um, definitely. Like there's, and it's not just like the number of people, but it's just how how a lot of folks shoot. So some folks are completely social shooters. I think I would put one in that category. Like he's oh, yeah. he's so used to like that is part of his like how he works, and and he's also really just really awesome with people. So that's it works really well. But some folks you could tell were like they were like the more casual shooters or like us us. When you have more of a setup, too, yeah. so you can't just, like, shoot from your hip. So it also depends on, like, what you're doing, what type of photography yeah, as well. what you're setting up with. Yeah. But, like, the, the landscape shooters, we were all just kind of, like, hanging out. We were like, oh, that looks kind of nice. Nice. Not right now. I but get so, see, nice. I get so intimidated around people who have, like, all this gear. But it's different if you're, if you're at an event. You've been to FPP events. Yeah. You, you're very social in the sense that, there, Matt, when you set up your rig, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was like a magnet, right? People oh, it, just like... It always in, is. I mean, you, how can you shoot? Because people are asking you questions, but it's different than a, just a person off the street. Yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, it, sure. They're, they're, they're qualified. So like, you know, you're not going to get as many of that. But when I was setting up uh, the photo walk on, was that Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Saturday morning photo walk in Joshua Tree was probably like, we couldn't have, if you were like a professional hiker tour guide for that portion of joshua tree you could not have picked a better day to go the weather was outstanding but the light was crazy like there was a there was a um a a couple they weren't but if you're a hiker you couldn't pick the worst day to be there yeah exactly would all be yeah if you were hiking you were gonna have a terrible time (laughs) but like photography wise there was this uh um this gentleman and his wife uh they're retirees and they live right near the park he's like i've been coming here for for years this you guys don't know the kind of light that you have right now and it was just like for that couple hours in the walk it was perfectly diffused just Mm -hmm. just great 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 stuff but it was uh it was a really cool experience everybody uh yeah everybody was just all about it setting up for like the larger shots Next time, I don't think I would. Well, I'd probably still be eight by ten, but you definitely have to like plan around like that kind of uh, that kind of shooting, and you have to go into it knowing you're not making the kind of stuff you make mm-hmm. when you set out just to do something on your own, and you have all the time in the world. You know, this was that photo walk was only like was only like an hour or two hours, but it like it went by fast, and super that's, fast. Yeah, and that's something that like we to answer your question, we will do more of these. We want to do some like city tour stuff again. Like we want to do a New York one, and Cleveland's like, on the list, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a destination. I actually I, I like Cleveland. A Chicago one would be really cool as well, and it goes by fast. So next time we do it, we're going to kind of pace ourselves a little bit more, leave some space for, you know, like if some people want to go back and relax, but Matt wants to keep going, he's not tied to us <laughs> right? type thing. So it was kind of and, – and then also for my sanity because I was like driving everyone around, and I felt like a, a parent. The with logistics like, of getting all of that stuff together, you're not just hurting cats. You're hurting cats that want to stay back and take pictures, you know? And who was driving that van? Me. Really? Yeah. Well, it was funny. We got our money on that rental. <laughs> oh, yeah. I uh, – we, we had to drive on sand. I grew up driving... I drive on sand. A van. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Four miles up that hill. Oh, my God. We It was, like, out in the middle of nowhere where we stayed, and we had to pull through this, um, this like, narrow... Um, like entrance yes, to get into it. Gate, just and the width of like the, oh, the van with like half a door. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I, I grew up on the country. I grew up driving big vehicles. I just drove cross country with a 30 foot trailer and all that. So I'm used to it, but still my confidence got more 
as I drove that thing. <laughs> and I knew that when I would come up to the, um, like, if I was good on one side, I was good on the other. So I wouldn't even, like, at some point, I just was so comfortable doing it, I wouldn't even look on the other side. or just like, I'm a, with my mirrors, like, a couple inches from this side, I'm good. Right. So just, like, pull in. And Casey was, like, he's... Casey Kavanaugh was quieter, like, but when he would say something, it was, like, always, like, really good or interesting or something like that, and he was just, like, where's your confidence come from, or something like that, yep. like, joking around, it's like, and Phil's, like, it's blind confidence, like, he's just, like, he's gonna wreck, like, <laughs> joking around. Isn't the point of a rental car to, like, do whatever you want with it? Oh, we did. Okay. Oh, we did. We, did. <laughs> we picked up this lady that was, uh, her car broke down. She was hitchhiking in the middle of the desert. It was 90-some degrees out. So we picked her up, we dropped her off, and then the road goes like this. It's, like, yes. deep, and I couldn't, and so I took a turn, and I couldn't three-point turn it. So I took this turn to where oh it was <laughs> front tire front left tire back right tire were the only ones touching, and Kevin Fickling was behind us and he said that the one tire that was off in the front was by three to four feet. Oh, it was, and then we were, I like we were, turned it and it was just like <clears throat> and went down. And then the rest of the day, the rest of the trip, whenever we would hit any bump, the doors are just like started <laughs> rattling like crazy. Yeah, so we definitely torqued the. Did you have an? Did you have any fear that you'd get stuck at some point, or you were just so focused on driving? We had a that bunch you'd... of people. We just pushed us out. Yeah, we just had to go. Oh, okay. We always had a van full of people. Plus, you have a lot of weight, so it right. wasn't bad. But, but no, it was fun. Logistically, it was a lot. But and I a lot happened during that time too because I literally my wife saw a house, put a bid on a house, and we found out that we got the house all during that trip. So like, <laughs> it's, it's like stressful enough when you're not signing, traveling. Yeah, signing stuff. Yeah. The funny thing is when we left Joshua Tree Saloon, mm -hmm. I was <laughs> trying so hard to get everyone in the van. I was like, get in the, like, it would be like, get someone, and then it would be like someone way over there. It was just there. easier to start driving it. And so I pulled up, and everyone started getting in the van. I finally got everyone in the van. I've been trying hard for like 20 minutes to get everyone in the van, even Phil. And then the last person gets in, Hannah calls me, my wife, and was like, we got the house. And then I just like got out and left the van. <laughs> like just everyone getting in the van, and then like, oh, he left. The driver left. But yeah, so it was uh, a crazy week. Wow. The crazy weekend. It was it was a lot of fun. Like I definitely when I got back, I had to recover for like pretty easy like week after that because I was I was running uh, along that trail. I just wanted to make sure I could keep up with all the all the other folks. Everyone was impressed with around. you. Yeah. Your Karen, you went up to the top of the hill for sunrise. Like Juan, yeah. it was like it was like you summited Everest. I was like, yeah, that's impressive. Juan was just like, holy, you did that. Yeah, but it was it was fun. But I, I am still like kind of sore well i want to thank you guys for giving you know the the roundup on that amazing trip and hopefully there'll be more fun stuff in the future for sure yeah you should check out all the photos too it's been really cool since oh where where do where do people connect to see some of these things well well sharing on the dark room but also if you just click on like the there's a, a specific hashtag for it so everyone like tags it so you can see what everyone's doing i could send you some links but it's been really cool because obviously since it's filmed there's a slight delay right so like you do the event and you don't see much other than if someone's like posting an instagram story or something like that right and then you know in the following week or so photos just start rolling in of all everyone's photos from it which is really cool so it's like this delayed like response of just being able to see relive it again which is really cool is it mostly instagram most yeah but there's a lot of people doing youtube like mm -hmm. taylor pendleton uh she did a youtube video on it and it's great i don't know if you saw it yet i haven't it's, seen taylor's video it's on it yet. awesome it's really entertaining jason caleb i know a lot I know of they them were filming yeah, yeah i know they're filming so i assume that a lot of them will have stuff in the future. Is there right is there a group on Flickr.com? <laughs> that's, that. that's joke. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what Flickr is? I do, yeah. Okay, we'll talk about some other time. <laughs> now the time is ripe for resurgence. It really is, but we'll talk about it different time. Okay, yeah, we'll save it for what another show. What is this, Flickr what? Flickr.com. F-L-I-C-K-R. You just go on the Wayback Machine to access it? Or? <laughs> no, it's it active. It's <laughs> $71 a year to access it. People, I guess, Matt, don't know what it is anymore, right? If you folks at home, if you want to, like, shut down the room or shut down a party just talk about start talking about flicker.com it'll just wah, clear out wah, just wah. clear out so 
Uh, Trev, thanks for sitting in, man. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, sadly, we have to go right now, but uh, we'll be back soon. Uh, folks out there listening, podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. We are on Instagram, Film Photography Project. We are on YouTube, Film Photography Project. Matt's on YouTube. Leslie's on Flickr. And YouTube. Owen's on uh, Instagram. And Instagram. I'm on Instagram. So. I won't accept your request, but I'm on there. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to hearing from you. We'll be back. It was 20 years today that I met Maria She approached me on the train, can I sit here, yeah Well, I found her slightly rude, but there was nothing I could do It was 20 years today that I met Maria it was 15 years today that I met Sophie We were waiting for a train, I bought her coffee She was just a little weary I tried not to be too leery It was 15 years today that I met Sophie Rachel on the platform, in the waiting room, in the buffet car, but maybe you might bump into me soon. It was ten years to the day that I met William. He said, tell me, all those girls, why'd you have to kill them? They remind me of my ex And now William, you're next It was ten years to the day Ten years to the day It was ten years to the day That I met William